Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, why Mike Conley is the perfect point guard to lead the Timberwolves into the 2023-24 season. We'll break down what he brought to Minnesota after the trade deadline this year and why he really does fit perfectly with Carl Anthony Towns, Rudy Gobert, and Anthony Edwards. It's all upcoming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked on Timberwolves. Your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Today's episode is brought to us by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today, we're talking all things Mike Conley. First of all, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every single day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch this show and all the other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. More great local sports coverage 24-7, and it's free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves. Don't forget the T and at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, we're continuing the player review series, and uh, we're into the starters slash I don't know part time, full time starters. We'll lump Kyle Anderson in here because he started a, a you know a good chunk of the season. Uh, but anyway, Conley's today will go through the rest of the uh, key rotation players, I guess, the rest of the season and into the, or excuse me, the rest of this week and into the early part of next week. Um, with Conley, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about the outlook in the future, what his contract looks like. You know, the very, very, very likely he's back with the team next year, but it's not quite 100%. I'll explain why here in a minute. I also want to talk about the appeal to why Conley was acquired in the first place, why he was thought to be such a good fit with this roster and why basically to a T all of that came true. So I want to break down his numbers in Minnesota, a little bit of a comparison to D'Angelo Russell in terms of what they brought to the table. Obviously D'Lo is thriving um, with the Lakers currently into the playoffs with LA and, and the way that he's been playing. And, and, you know, um, anyway, well, most of what I want to talk about though, regarding D'Lo is, is, why what Conley's done for Minnesota is, is more valuable than what D'Angelo Russell did for the early part of the season. Um, and look at a bit, a little bit of lineup data as well uh, for, for Mike. All right, so let's talk first about the contract. The Wolves, in part, why the Wolves were more interested in Mike Conley over Kyle Lowry, who had been shopped by the Miami Heat during the season. Of course, Miami's uh, actually now up 3-1 in their series over the Knicks, which is crazy. Um talking about an eight seed in that spot, an eight seed that lost the first play in game, by the way. Um, But anyway, Miami was considering trading Kyle Lowry. The Timberwolves were reportedly interested. Miami was apparently interested in D'Angelo Russell. And um, one of the concerns the Wolves had is that Kyle Lowry had a fully guaranteed deal for next year at at a higher number than what Mike Conley had. And then you add in the familiarity that Conley and Rudy Gobert had for each other going back several years with the Utah Jazz. And, you know, using those as tiebreakers, if you will, 
you know, Conley was maybe the more attractive option. I really liked the Kyle Lowry fit potentially, but I understand why the Conley deal was made in part due to the contract situation. So Conley was being paid $22.6 million this year um, as part of the extension he signed with the Jazz a couple of seasons ago. Now, for next year, he his salary has $14.3 million guaranteed, but on June 24th, so 48 hours after the NBA draft, the full contract becomes guaranteed. That's $24.3 million. So if the Wolves didn't want him back, they could cut him and they would still owe him $14.3 million. They're not going to do that. I don't think he'll be traded on draft night. Um, theoretically, though, they, they could. I think it's like 90, uh, 98%, 99% maybe even that he's back at that $24.3 million, um, which again, fully kicks in 48 hours after the draft. So, you know, expect Mike Conley back. The potential flexibility, though, like it protected the Wolves against if he got hurt, if he was completely and utterly ineffective, um, or, you know, gives them a bit of flexibility in case some crazy trade offer pop pops up at some point, um, you know, on draft night. But the overwhelming odds are, are in, in favor of Conley being in a Timberwolves uniform at the start of his age 36 season in, in the fall. Um, so expect that, but just know that there is, you know, it's technically possible that, that, you know, he, he, the wolves move on because of the contract situation, but I think he'll be back. Um, when the wolves were looking to acquire Mike Conley, what were they looking for? Well, one, they needed a, a locker room presence who was going to mesh well with their young team. Somebody who had been there, done that, had experience. D'Angelo Russell fit that bill to an extent. Um, but the phrase that was often used this season around the Wolves was like they needed an adult in the room, which seemed a little silly because you have Torian Prince, Kyle Anderson, guys who are known for being those veteran leaders, Austin Rivers. D'Lo is never really known in that way, right? He's more of a quiet leader, not always leading by example in terms of his effort level on the floor, especially defensively. The effort for D'Lo has always waxed and waned. And when he's playing hard, he's a good player. Um, but the idea was you bring somebody in who's steadier, less volatile, right? Because good D'Lo's borderline all-star really is. And LA has seen a lot of that this year. Wolves fans saw that in, in, you know, bits and pieces of that over the past few years, the bad deal is borderline unplayable. So you go from borderline all-star to borderline unplayable. You bring in Mike Conley and Conley is as steady as they come. And, and yes, you go and look at his game log. There was certainly some volatility. I mean, he had that, what I think it was a 20 plus point game. Um, I, I think it was in the series against Denver. And then he'd have like a, I think maybe, well, I don't remember exactly what game it was, but then like the next night out, he'd have seven points on two of eight shooting or whatever, two of six shooting. So there's some volatility, but still the overall, like the body of work for any given game for Mike Conley is going to be here. It's going to be middle, right? With a little bit of volatility because who doesn't have some, um, you know, uh, good nights, bad nights, et cetera. But it wasn't like borderline all-star to borderline end of the bench unplayable, actively hurting your team, which is D'Angelo Russell, right? Like that's the best way to describe the D'Angelo Russell experience is that you get both with it. Mike Conley is supposed to be somewhere in the middle. He's supposed to be a a still a above average individual defender, a strong plus in terms of team defense and a, a willing um, a willing distributor but also such a dangerous catch-and-shoot shooter that that's primarily his role when you're acquiring him to to be on a team that has two guys that are going to dominate the offense in Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. 
in Utah, Donovan Mitchell ended up running a lot of that offense, but Mike Conley was still asked to, in some ways, be the straw that stirred the drink. And I mean, his assist rate in his all-star season in Utah a couple years ago, the 2021 season, was over 30%, which was, um, you know, it dropped a bit the following year as Donovan Mitchell took on a bigger share of initiating offense. But Conley could do it either way, right? Like, even though he's got, he played, was a true point guard early in his career, didn't score a whole lot, didn't shoot a lot of threes, wasn't a great three-point shooter. He kind of morphed into, hey, I'm going to shoot more than half my shot attempts for three. I'm going to defer to the primary option. And in Utah, that was Donovan Mitchell or Boyan Bogdanovich or Rudy Gobert. And Conley was content being the fourth option. In Minnesota, he's the fourth or fifth option in the starting lineup. And as a 35-year-old, um, you know, where he's at in his career, he doesn't have, he's not going to, he's not going to take anybody off the dribble with consistency. Um, I think he's totally fine with that role. And the Wolves wanted that next to high usage guys like Edwards, Carl Thitty Towns, and, uh, you know, I guess to, to a lesser extent, Jaden McDaniels. But the idea is there's more ball to go around for Ant and for Cat if you trade D'Angelo Russell. Add in the locker room stuff, the quote-unquote adult in the room stuff, the team defense, the individual defense, the, the pick-and-roll defense. Oh, and a couple other things that I talked about at the time of the trade that perhaps flew into the radar for a lot of folks. So I want to get into a couple of those things uh, next. Things that I liked about the trade and sure enough came true, and we can look back on it and say just for what each player did individually for their teams this season, or I should say for the Wolves this season, because D'Lo's been great for the Lakers, but what D'Lo did for the Wolves compared to what Conley did for the Wolves this season, it's hard to not view the Conley trade as a big success for the Wolves. So I want to get into some of those uh, points here and then get into the lineup data then after that. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Game Time. Buying tickets to your favorite events should not be stressful. We've all been there, and I do this far too often. I'll procrastinate, not buy tickets to an event. Um, a lot of times it's a sporting event, occasionally a concert or a, a play, a musical, till the last minute. But um, Game Time is the place to go if you find yourself in that spot. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Snag your tickets without the stress with Game Time. Just download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem the code LOCKDOWNNBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Thanks again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow, we're going to continue on down the roster, or I should say, I guess, up the roster. We're going to go Kyle Anderson, the other uh, veteran addition to the top, we'll call it the top six in the Wolves rotation. We'll talk about him on Wednesday's show. So uh, a lot to get to yet with uh, as we get into really the meat of, like I said, the rotation for the Wolves this year. So um, again, we're daily still Monday through Friday. So be sure to tune in on Wednesday for that. All right. Um, so the Timberwolves traded for Mike Conley. I thought at the time, one of my favorite stats was the catch and shoot numbers for D'Angelo Russell and Mike Conley. And I don't have the exact numbers in front of me right now, but um, Mike Conley has been a better catch and shoot three point shooter than D'Angelo Russell for each of the last three seasons. 
and um, a better overall three-point shooter and a better catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. In the Timberwolves offense, D'Lo called his own number a lot, and he's a good off-the-dribble three-point shooter with great range. Like, I mean, his range is not far off Trey Young-type range, but he's a volume three-point shooter. And again, a lot of off-the-dribble stuff. Where D'Lo is a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. Mike Conley is... The word elite might be a little too strong, but he is a really, really good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter, better than D'Angelo Russell, who, again, is good. So by acquiring Mike Conley... You're acquiring somebody who doesn't need the ball in his hands very often, isn't looking to score a bunch with the ball in his hands, but is a willing and extremely capable off-ball scorer in a catch-and-shoot situation where, you know, a lot of times Conley would bring the ball up the floor, get it to Ant, uh, you know, Ant would run offense or whatever, and Conley could stand on the perimeter and be available for catch-and-shoot and and be a 42 43%, whatever he was last couple years, catch-and-shoot, three-point shooter. Um, Very easy to miss that he is a better, catch-and-shoot three-point shooter than D'Angelo Russell, and it's not a small sample. We're talking going back multiple years, including this season. There's no question that the the catch-and-shoot ability of Mike Conley was a huge reason that the Timberwolves traded for him because now you're not wasting, you know, quote-unquote, wasting your max contract guy in D'Angelo Russell just playing off the ball and catching and shooting. And that's not what ultimately happened anyway because D'Lo did want to call his own number and be involved. Now... You know, at times the Wolves actually, and Chris Finch said this down the stretch in the regular season and in the playoff series against Denver, that they needed Mike Conley to be more aggressive and look for a shot. And I, I think that's not always what the situation you want to be in, but I think it is here, right? You'd rather err on the side of Ant and Cat using 70% of your possessions or whatever and splitting the rest up between Jade McDaniels and, you know, Nas Reed and Mike Conley and Kyle Anderson, Torian Prince, those guys. You want to use 65, 70% of your possessions. Like you'd rather err on that side than giving 25, 28% of your possessions to someone else, like say a DHL Russell. Uh, in the Timberwolves lineup this season, Conley simply shot the ball better than D'Angelo Russell. He simply scored more efficiently. Yes, D'Lo scored almost four points more per game in a Timberwolves uniform. But uh, Conley shot 42% from three. D'Lo was 39.1%. Conley got to the line just as frequently as D'Lo, and they shot effectively the same percentage from the line. Effective field goal percentage, Mike Conley, 58.3%. D'Lo in a Timberwolves uniform this year, 56.7%. So Conley wins by a point, 1.6, we'll call it there, um, in terms of effective field goal percentage. True shooting percentage, D'Angelo Russell, 60.4% in Timberwolves uniform. Mike Conley, 63.1%, so beaten by almost three percentage points in true shooting percentage. Um, Conley actually shot a higher percentage of his shots from outside the arc and drew more free throws. So the three-point attempt rate and the free throw rate were higher for Mike Conley than than they were for D'Angelo Russell. The rebounding was better. Um, the turnover rate was lower. Mike Conley's turnover rate at Tyrrell's uniform was only 9.8%, which is extremely low. And there were a couple bad ones in the playoffs that stick out in my head. And I, you know, recency bias, I was expecting that number to be much higher. 9.8% is unheard of for a, a lead guard. And and like I said, I, I know Edwards was initiating a lot of offense, but Conley's still bringing the ball up the floor a bunch. Like, I mean, that's, that's like the only guys in the team with lower turnover rates than him were Luca Garza, who, Matt Ryan, who's a catch and shoot guy, purely to kill Alexander Walker, who's basically purely a catch and shoot guy. 
So like 9.8% is nuts. D'Angelo Russell's was 15.5% in a Timberwolves uniform, which was the highest of, of everybody that wore a Wolves uniform this year, except for actually Kyle Anderson's was slightly higher. So is Nate Knight's, but that's a smaller sample. Um, anyway, the point here is pick a category except for assist rate. Because again, you know, D'Lo was initiating more than what Mike Conley was doing, but pick any other category and Conley wins it in a Timberwolves uniform this season. Um, so I, even though D'Lo scored more, almost four points more per game, Conley did it more efficiently. And because he was a better defender as well, which I also want to talk about, that makes him a more valuable player to the Wolves. He's just simply a better fit. And I said this at the time, in a vacuum, would you argue that 35 going on 36-year-old Mike Conley is a better player than 26-year-old D'Angelo Russell? In a vacuum, player versus player. I think they're really close. You may even give the edge to D'Angelo Russell, and I wouldn't be upset with that. You could certainly argue that D'Lo is a better player right now. Like, would Mike Conley be doing for the Lakers what D'Lo is doing now? No. No. He's not that player right now. And Conley was never really the same type of scorer as D'Lo. He had a couple really nice scoring seasons in there in Memphis. But the point here is D'Lo may actually be the better player in a vacuum. But considering all the other factors, team fit, uh, schematic fit, the whole quote-unquote adult in the room stuff, the, the the team chemistry thing. And then also the the contract situation. D'Angelo Russell is going to be a free agent this offseason. And he's talked a bunch recently in the media about how basically he knew he what the Wolves weren't going to... These aren't his words, these are mine. I'm paraphrasing, but the Wolves weren't going to pony up to extend D'Angelo Russell. They weren't going to see eye-to-eye in an extension. So the Wolves either let him walk for nothing or they overpay him to keep him. And I, I think you'd just rather have Mike Conley and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, for that matter, who's also going to be free agent, but you'd rather have those guys and know that you have another year of Conley at $23, 24000000 million. Um, and he's simply a better roster fit. So a better roster fit, a better contract situation. And yeah, you got to turn around and figure out point guard here in a couple of years and, and really start thinking about it now. But like, who's your point guard in, in 24, 25? But that's still better than giving D'Angelo Russell $40 million to do that you know, in a couple of years, which is, you know, not that they're, it's not completely a false choice. Like they could, there could have been other things going on there, I think, but possibilities, but those are the two players we're comparing effectively. And, um, I understand the calculus from the Wolves perspective. I I understand even if Delo is a better player in, in in a vacuum, I maintain, I said this at the time of the trade and I say this now, and I believe it, that Conley's just a better roster fit for the Wolves, uh, lower usage, again, better defender, and I, I also think Conley's defense in a Timberwolves uniform, again, just a couple dozen games, um, was better with the Wolves than it was the last couple of years, year and a half at least, with Utah. Like, obviously, Conley was an all-defensive caliber player at one point in his career and, and has slipped with age here recently. Um, not just all-defensive caliber. He did make the all-defensive team, I think, just once, uh, roughly 10 years ago. But... Conley was better defensively in a Timberwolves uniform than he showed in Utah. And I don't know how much of that was, you know, like, hey, I'm I'm not at all suggesting Conley wasn't trying in Utah. But there's also this, like, is there another gear, especially when you're 35, like, hey, this team's legit going to go to the playoffs. Now, last year, I mean, the Jazz were good and Conley struggled for parts of the season. There's a reason um, that the Jazz decided to break their roster up, Gobert and Mitchell and, and Bogdanovich all moving on. But I do think that that... 
something in there made Conley play a bit harder on that end of the floor this season. Now, he averaged more minutes per game in a Timberwolves uniform than he did at any point in a Utah Jazz uniform, which is now going back to uh, the 1920 season. So what did he spend? Three and a half years in Utah and a half season now, or I guess technically a third of a season in Minnesota. Um, and he played more minutes per game in those 24 games in a Wolves uniform, regular season games, than he did at any point in Utah. But um, I believe there's still some tread on the tires. It may not be a lot. But if Conley gives puts forth that effort and is it continues to be a really strong team defender in a Timberwolves uniform, he's going to be such a valuable player next year for the Wolves. All right. I want to get into lineup data here in a minute and, and what that does and maybe doesn't tell us about Conley's fit in Minnesota um, so we're going to do that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is also brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. Every day of the NBA playoffs and the finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 7 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Eastern, will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks gets a million dollars. Five correct picks gets you 80 grand. Four correct picks, $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at that link to be eligible for the million dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal and you could be the lucky winner. If you're not familiar with prize picks, it's super easy to play. You just pick two to six players. If they'll score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. You're not competing against other people either. It's just you versus the projections available. And it's really any sport that you watch. They have at prize picks and you can make your entries in less than 60 seconds. Download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code LOCKDOWN. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, they'll give you, you guessed it, $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKDOWN at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. All right, let's continue the Conley conversation with a bit of uh, of lineup data. Interestingly, well, maybe not, maybe not surprisingly. Well, let's start here. Let's start with the two man lineup. So, Mike Conley, his best two man lineup is Carl and Thady Towns, and I, I like a couple reasons why I like two man. The main reason is it's it's cleaner in the sense that there's only you know 10 12 13 however many guys they played with there's only that many lines of data you're not you know sifting through the five minutes here or three minutes there with these other lineup combos and there's le- in my mind there's in some ways there's more noise in some ways there's less right it gives you a really good sense for how two players shared the floor together and it doesn't matter who else was out there, right? But on the other hand, you know that it, it does matter who else is out there. And so I like to start with the two-man and then kind of work my way up and see what these other lineups look like. Like, for instance, with Conley, his best two-man lineup, he played one minute with Josh Minot and and uh, obviously did very well in that one minute. So we'll throw that out. Conley and Towns only played 164 minutes together because Towns missed the first 18 or so games, 16 or so games when Conley was in Minnesota. But they played 164 minutes over eight regular season games, and they had a net rating of 11.8, a plus 11.8. Conley's next best mark was a plus 4.5. So clearly, some success there. And also, just because the sample's so small with those eight regular season games, I think it's also worth um, doing the same thing and just looking at playoffs because they played five playoff games together. Now, 
all of Conley's net rating numbers for the playoffs were negative. Um, like, there's a lot. I, like, obviously, the Wolves didn't play well, right? They lost four to five games, so that's not really a surprise. So Conley and Towns, the success did not continue into the playoffs. They were a negative 10.5. But again, if you're looking regular season, his best two-man lineup is Carlton Towns, and perhaps that isn't surprising. What is surprising to me, and I, I didn't realize this until doing this exercise, is that the, his worst two-man lineup, if we throw out six minutes with Luca Garza and 36 minutes with Austin Rivers, Conley's worst two-man lineup in a Wolves uniform is Nas Reed, a minus 18.1 and 116 minutes, which still isn't a very large sample size, but it's over the course of 16 games, and when you consider his best as Towns and his worst as Nas, I, I think it tells us something. I don't know what exactly. Now, Towns and Nas both like to pop a lot. Nas rolls a little bit more frequently in pick and roll game. Um, so I guess consider like, but the Conley Gobert tandem is a plus 3.2, which is his fourth best mark. Still pretty far behind the Towns pairing and Gobert exclusively rolls in pick and roll games. So I don't, I don't know if it's just chemistry was never built between Conley and Nas. Also part of it is I think Nas struggled from outside the arc, the latter part of the season. And I guess I should have pulled like his three point shooting numbers since Conley joined the team. But anecdotally, I, I Nas certainly struggled more with his shot post trade deadline than he did like the middle part of the season. I think there was a sweet spot where he got really hot mid season. Um, it's possible I'm remembering this wrong, honestly, because I'm just kind of like, like recalling this off the top of my head, this, this, the Nas, you know, shooting this year. But that's my recollection is that, you know, he was missing threes, et cetera. And Nas just, there were moments where he struggled a little bit second half of the season, especially shooting the ball. But the Nas, at any rate, the Nas Conley pairing is a negative 18.1, whereas Nas, or excuse me, Conley and Towns is a plus 11.8. So that's pretty interesting. And then maybe not surprising if you go a layer deeper into three man lineups. Of course, you're going to see more success with Conley and Towns together because we we do that based on how good the uh, the two man pairings were between the two of them. But like Conley's best three man pairing, if we just look at pairings that are, I, I don't know, this is relatively arbitrary, but um, just kind of skimming the potential pairings, I went to pairings where he played 16 or more minutes with them. And his best is actually Conley Towns and Torian Prince, a plus 26.4. And then it's Conley Edwards and Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a plus 12.2. And then his next four all have Carl Anthony Towns in them. So five of his top six have Towns. Of Conley's top six, three-man lineups have Carl Anthony Towns. Again, not surprising. The Conley Gobert Towns is Conley's sixth best three-man pairing, a plus 8.1. So I don't know that there's a whole lot of a story to be told there other than then Conley and Towns had a good chemistry, played well together. And again, this is net rating. So it's not strictly offense either. Like we have to take into account defense and the Wolves play defense a little bit differently with Towns on the floor and, and no Gobert versus Towns and Gobert versus just Gobert. So I think that's important to think about too. Uh, what this tells me is that Conley could be successful with multiple different types of personnel because the way Nas plays offensively isn't all that different from how Carl Anthony Towns plays, at least in terms of the mix of his shots, right? Threes, face-up drives, um, not a lot of post-ups. Nas posts even less than Towns does these days. So 
and, and also preferring to pop over roll, though Nas does roll a little bit more frequently than Towns. And so to me, the difference is like Conley can succeed with Rudy, who's exclusively rolling. He can concede, he can succeed with Towns, who does both. With Nas, I think it was more just a function of Nas didn't wasn't super efficient with the ball in his hands the second the latter part of the season and, and after Conley was in a Wolves uniform, Towns just was better than Nas. And, and that to me is the biggest difference there. But the story it tells primarily is that Conley can play with multiple different types of bigs and figure out how to be effective. Um Grand scheme of things, I keep going back to the fit of Conley with this team because he's low usage, but effective as a catch-and-shoot guy, a a strong team defender, a willing on-ball, one-on-one defender who, yes, he's lost a little bit of of, uh, lateral quickness and speed, but, again, a very good team defender, an effective, willing on-the-ball um, and your, the, your preference if you're Chris Finch is to have Anthony Edwards and or Jaden McDaniels guarding ball handlers anyway, but Conley can hold his own, and he's also relatively switchable. He's a smart, savvy defender and also brings that the smarts and the savvy to the offensive end of the floor as well and, and, and can succeed with a variety of different personnel groupings around him. Feel confident saying Conley will be back next season, um, and I still think he's a great fit for this team. I don't know what the Wolves' plan is beyond next season. You know, if Mike Conley is going to play until he's 37, 38, 39 years old, what the Wolves would give him, like, you know, that's a ways down the road. I think more likely the Wolves look to acquire somebody to take over that position. And, you know, point ant is the thing, too. Anthony Edwards at times looked really good initiating offense entirely on his own, but at times looked very lost, inefficient, turnover-prone, et cetera. So perhaps they spend this year trying to kind of groom Ant to do that, and then you find a you know a nominal a point guard by name who really is more of a catch and shoot guy like Mike Conley, and you really lean into that into twenty four twenty five. That's a conversation for another day, but for twenty three twenty four, Mike Conley should be the Timberwolves opening night starting point guard, and I love the fit of Mike Conley with the Wolves. I genuinely love it. I loved it at the time of the trade. I think he will be a really good fit and a better basketball fit than D'Angelo Russell moving forward for the Wolves. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. We will talk Kyle Anderson on Wednesday's show. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at Beacon. With two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.